0: Welcome in to Duval Daily, your daily dose of Jacksonville Jaguars news and analysis. I'm Jordan DeLugo. Thanks for tuning in. Today we've got more pre draft visits to talk about, a lot of interesting names, a trio of walkers visiting with the Jaguars. I want to look at the arms race in the AFC. Are the Jaguars keeping up on the offensive side of the ball? And We will look at the state of the Jacksonville Jaguars offensive line. It's going to be a fun show. Follow myself at Jordan Delugo on Twitter, Generation Jaguar, at Generation Jag. Let's go ahead and jump in to these pre-draft visits. We already talked about um, Aiden Hutchinson, Ike McQuanu, two guys the Jaguars had on top 30 visits. Uh, Zachary Carter is another name, defensive lineman out of the University of Florida. A lot of people are probably familiar with him around these parts we have not talked about him i haven't decided if i'm going to do a um a video uh, or talk about him on daily duval i should say daily duval duval daily excuse me or just do a write-up on him on jenjag.com. so uh i'll figure out what i'm going to do there but there will be some zachary carter content coming in the coming days, but we've got a trio of Walkers: Quay Walker, Trayvon Walker, Rashid Walker, all meeting with the Jaguars, visiting with the Jaguars, and then you've also got Tyrion Davis Price. I believe he goes by Ty. If your name's Tyrion, you're going to be called Tyrion by myself. I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan, as you fan as you can probably see from the background here. Uh, I've got those John Snow. Funkos and my Game of Thrones books there. Um, A Song of Ice and Fire. Love it, love it, love it. So Tyrion Davis-Price, LSU running back. But let's start with Quay Walker, Georgia linebacker, off-ball linebacker, played inside, played outside. At Georgia, Nicobe Dean, Channing Tindall. You had those two guys and Quay Walker rotating in and out. Usually you only had two linebackers on the field at the same time in 2021. So you weren't going to see Walker, Tyndall, and Dean all on the field at the same time. But that led to you know not having as many reps as some guys might have. He also wasn't a, start, a full-time starter until 2021. So you have to look at this as a guy who incredibly talented team around him made it difficult for him to get on the field until this year. And even in 2021, he's not getting a full complement of reps as like a full-time starter because of the rotation. That's how Georgia's defense runs. They have so much talent. They just don't need to, to uh, have their guys on the field for 90% of the snaps. But Quay Walker, he's 6'4", 240, ran a four five two. That speed, that length, that wingspan, it all shows up on tape. Excellent tackler, very rarely misses tackles. Um, He's able to fly sideline to sideline. There are plenty of examples of him communicating the plays to the other defense, or excuse me, to the other players on his defense and kind of getting guys lined up. Him and N'Kobe Dean shared those responsibilities. So you like that Um, instinctually and in terms of the mental processing um, and just knowing where he needs to be on the field at all times and getting to that spot. I don't think Quay Walker is quite where you need him to be, to be a starter in the NFL, to be a quality starter in the NFL. So can you, if you draft him and you want him to be a starter, can you get him ready to start? throughout this next summer get him a lot of meaningful reps get him ready to go maybe but that's a question you have to ask yourself as a coach coaching staff and the front office obviously I have a late second on Trayvon Walker because I love his athleticism I think he's a great tackler I think there's potential in space to be a little bit um, more effective and it's the upside the trajectory. Didn't become a full-time starter until 2021. So you get this guy more reps in your defense. I think he's going to end up being a starter. It's just about how long it takes him to get there. And is his upside just a quality starter? Or is it a pro bowler? I think athletically, you could look at this guy and say he has pro bowl potential. But mentally... And experience-wise, it's just not quite there yet. Not sure you plug him in as a day one starter unless you're able to fast track that learning curve throughout the summer. So I have a late second on him. The Jaguars are obviously interested if they're having him in for a top 30 visit. He's a talented football player. Trayvon Walker is another extremely talented walker. Out of Georgia, defensive end, six foot five, two hundred seventy-two pounds, thirty-five plus inch arms. He also ran a four-five forty, uh, just tested out of his mind at the combine, and his athleticism shows up in every game he plays in. He'll make plays all over the field. Um, his length shows up, tackles, interior guards, uh, centers. None of these guys are able to get their hands on Trayvon Walker's chest. He's able to keep them at bay, uh, which is huge uh, as a run defender where he's already elite, in my opinion, as a run defender. He's going to come into the NFL, and on early downs, he's going to be able to hold it down for you for sure. The question is pass rush. Georgia didn't really allow him to line up wide, to line up outside the tackles and just pin his ears back all that often. So you didn't see him as a – traditional defensive end pass rushing very often instead he was lined up face up with the tackles or inside really more in a contain role in a role where he's trying to eat up blockers and let those linebackers quay walker goby d and channing tyndall fly to the ball and make plays um So when you're talking about a potential number one overall pick and you haven't really seen him rush the passer, that's a little too rich for me. I like Trayvon Walker. I think he's going to have a long career in the NFL. But the pass rush, while you've seen flashes of it, it is just way too much of a projection at number one. I have have him as a mid-first round pick. That's the grade I have on him is mid-first round. There's Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Jermaine Johnson. All those guys I feel better about their projection to the next level. From a pass rush perspective, and don't get me wrong, being able to stop the run is critical. Coaches, if you can stop the run, coaches are going to be happy with you. But I think Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson can stop the run, and so can Jermaine Johnson. And they've actually shown consistency as pass rushers. Jermaine Johnson, when he played with Trayvon Walker, was a more productive pass rusher. Obviously, they were not in the same roles. Walker played a lot more inside prior to 2021. But Walker had a similar role to Jermaine Johnson's role at Georgia. Excuse me. Trayvon Walker's role in 2021 was somewhat similar to Jermaine Johnson's role in 2020. And Jermaine Johnson was more productive. Then you look at Trayvon Walker versus Evan Neal, who Evan Neal, for my money, is the number one prospect in this class. The left tackle, right tackle, offensive guard, wherever you want to play him out of Alabama. At left tackle, he dominated Trayvon Walker two times in 2021-2022 season. So – You'd like to see Trayvon Walker be able to hold up against a guy like Evan Neal a little bit better, trade punches with him a little bit more. I think Evan Neal really got the better of him when they were matched up with each other in the SEC Championship and in the National Championship. Rasheed Walker. He's an offensive tackle out of Penn State. A lot of a lot of pundits had him, you know, potentially being a a second round pick, maybe a third round pick entering the season. He struggled though in 2021 for the Nittany Lions more so than he had in the past. And it was really consistency. He got sloppy. Footwork was sloppy. He was unbalanced, falling all over the place, playing over his toes. I don't know if athleticism is an issue, causes him to overset, get beat on inside moves. I don't think he's a tackle. I think he's a guard. He's 6'6", which is big for a guard, but he moves people off the line. He's good in a phone booth. He has power. Uh, He shows independent hands. He's able to control one arm with one of the pass rushers' arms with his right or left arm and then get into the body with the other arm. Really stonewalling him, and, and at times he just buries pass rushers in the dirt but way too inconsistent for my liking. If you're going to draft him to play tackle, definitely day three. Even if you're going to draft him to play guard, definitely day three. Uh, And to be completely honest, I think there's going to be guards or interior offensive linemen in general. If you're talking about drafting him in the fourth or fifth round that are going to have higher grades on my board than Rasheed Walker there's just a ton of interior offensive line talent and you're having to project him to play guard. Or if you want to play him at tackle, you can try to do that as well. I'm not sure it'll end up going how you envision it. Cause I don't think the athleticism and the footwork is there, but I do think he has potential to be a starting guard in the NFL. Got to work on the consistency. And really, I think he's going to fit better in a power scheme where he's kind of just trying to blow guys off the ball instead of getting out in space and and trying to make contact with with smaller defenders in space. I don't think that's going to be a strong suit for Rashid Walker. Tyrion Davis-Price. LSU running back uh, really took on more of a full-time role in 2021. He still wasn't the third down back, but he he was the primary back for the LSU Tigers. Carried the ball over 200 times, averaged almost five yards of carry. A lot of that came against the Florida Gators. Had just an unbelievable record-setting day against the Gators. So Price, he weighed in at 211 at the combine, ran a 4-4-8. I do think you see that 448 speed on tape. He's he's able to get on guys really quick and kind of unexpectedly, but I thought he would come in weighing a bit more than that and perhaps he just cut some weight to run faster at the combine. But I think he's more of a 215 to 220 type of runner. Uh, I think he plays with good power, contact balance, I think vision and patience really improved in 2021 compared to what you saw prior. His pass catching improved in 2021. Um, didn't drop a pass on 13 targets. Whereas I think he had dropped three or four balls the year before. Um, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can pass protect. LSU didn't have him doing all those things regularly because they had a stable of backs. But this is a junior running back. He came out early, which means he probably got some good, in, good news from the NFL in terms of what they think of him. He was invited to the scouting combine. I think he looked pretty good catching passes at his pro day. For me, this guy is going to end up with probably a fifth round grade after I kind of finalize things. So if the Jaguars are drafting him before that, there's going to be other running backs that I'm going to value more. I'm not going to bury them if they draft him in the fourth round or the fifth round, but uh, I I think there's some other guys that are more intriguing. But look, Tyrion Davis-Price, he's got power, contact balance, improving vision, uh, he's got some breakaway speed to him, and he'll, he'll embarrass a guy or two every game, whether it be kind of just getting on a defensive back, lowering his shoulders and booming right through him, or he'll occasionally show you a little bit of a little bit of wiggle in the open field, and then once he has green grass in front of him, he's hard to catch. So intriguing prospect. I don't think he has the most complete game. I don't think he's a guy that if he's getting, if, if guys are getting into the backfield, he's not going to be able to make them miss all that often, which in the NFL, you kind of need to be able to make that first guy miss even when they've got, got a beat on you. We'll see how it plays out with Tyrion Davis-Price. But the Jaguars obviously have interest use that top 30 visit on him. Uh, And they could just be gathering more intel about whoever. LSU has plenty of talent. Um, You could be talking to Davis-Price about Ed Ed Ingram, the guard. Could be talking to Rasheed Walker about Jahan Dotson a little bit. I'm not doubting that the Jaguars have interest in these players, but you can gather intel from a player that's not just about a player, about said player. You can certainly talk to Walker about his teammate, Jahan Dotson. You can talk to Quay Walker and Trevon Walker about all the other Georgia stars that you might be interested in on defense. Talk to him about George Pickens. So there's an arms race going on in the AFC right now. The Bills just re upped with Stephon Diggs. He's now with them for the next six years. He's getting paid a boatload of money. Just the latest star receiver to get a nice new shiny deal. So I want to look at the weapons around the AFC, starting in the AFC South, the Jaguars division. We've got A.J. Brown, Brandon Cooks, Michael Pittman. Where does Christian Kirk rank amongst them as a number one receiver? I would say third or fourth. A.J. Brown is clearly the leader in the clubhouse, but I think Brandon Cooks is severely underrated. I think he's a better outside receiver than Christian Kirk. I think Michael Pittman, if you're talking about a true number one, he has more ability in that role than Christian Kirk does. What's more valuable, Michael Pittman's ability to win outside or Christian Kirk kind of dominating, I wouldn't even say dominating, but producing in a versatile role where he's lined up in the slot, lined up outside, getting the ball in a variety of ways. I'm not sure. And that's just the AFC South. That's a division that wants to run the ball. And you still don't have the high-end talent that most of these teams do. And the AFC East, you've got the Cheetah and the Penguin. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle in Miami. You'd love to have that for Trevor Lawrence. The Jets have Elijah Moore, Corey Davis. Two guys you'd love to have in Jacksonville right now, I'd say. The Pats have two upper echelon tight ends. They just traded for Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne. There's some other talented receivers there as well. Jacoby Myers. And the West. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are on the same team. Devontae Adams and Darren Waller are on the same team. Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are on the same team. Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster. Jaguars are playing that division this year. Does Trevor Lawrence have the weapons to keep up? In the north, there's Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Pat Fryermuth all on one team. The Steelers, Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown and Rashad Bateman all in Baltimore. Amari Cooper is in Cleveland now. The Bengals just went to the damn Super Bowl with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. Just incredible talent in the AFC at the wide receiver position. And you look at Christian Kirk, who I really like. I think he's going to prove to be a quality, quality, number two target for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And now, of course, he's forced into a number one role right now, it looks like. But I think Christian Kirk is a talented football player that's going to help Trevor Lawrence. Don't get me wrong. But outside of Christian Kirk, what what does this team have to excite you? And even though I like Christian Kirk, let's not pretend he's Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddell or A.J. Brown. Or Deontay Johnson, Amari Cooper, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. He's not any of those types of guys. I think all those guys are on on another level from Christian Kirk, unfortunately. But I think he can prove to be a quality number two. That just means you need to go get a number one for Trevor Lawrence. Whether it's trading for a guy who is wanting more money. There could be a few of those types of players out there whether it's drafting somebody at 33, whether it's trading out of the number one spot and drafting a receiver. I think history kind of tells you drafting a receiver in the second round is a little bit more advantageous than spending that first round draft capital on one. Um, but Jamar Chase, He came in, and he changed the Bengals. Is there a Jamar Chase in this class? I don't have anybody ranked as high as I had Jamar Chase in 2020 – 2021, excuse me. But I think Garrett Wilson is not a similar game, really, to Jamar Chase, who's much more physical. Wilson is a lot more finesse. But could Garrett Wilson come in and be that type of guy in year one? I think there's a chance. Jamison Williams I would have put very close to Jamar Chase, but he's coming off the ACL. The bottom line is the Jaguars need to continue to improve their receiver core. Could Marvin Jones bounce back after a down year? History would suggest that if he's on a competent offense, Marvin Jones can be a very effective player. But 31, is his career winding down? Is he on the downturn here? I think he can play still, but he would be your number two target right now. Do you feel great about that when you look at some other number two targets around the AFC? You've got to keep improving this wide receiver core for Trevor Lawrence if, if you expect him to try to keep up with the AFC West, with the AFC South in 2022. The Jaguars' offensive line is an interesting group. I'm going to kind of dive into the state of the offensive line right now. A lot of turnover. There was no turnover for that offensive line in 2021. And it underwhelmed. Um, It really did. It wasn't downright awful. They weren't bottom of the league. But they weren't great either. Too much pressure on Trevor Lawrence and Trevor to his credit was masterful at times in terms of uh, evading pressure, having that pocket presence um, where you just have to move six inches this way, a foot that way with timing to evade pressure and continue uh, sticking in the pocket or rolling out of the pocket, whatever you need to do. But Lawrence wasn't skittish. He was poised. He was confident. And I think that's huge. Uh, but but just because they didn't give up the most sacks in the league last year, they did give up a ton of pressure on Trevor. And Trevor made those stats look a little bit better with his footwork, with his um, feel for the pocket. Was that impacted by poor coaching and one of the most toxic environments It's imaginable, probably, yes, I would say. Uh, I think every aspect of the Jaguars organization was negatively impacted by the Urban Meyer experiment last year. The starting lineup for the Jaguars offensive line right now would be Cam Robinson at left tackle, who has the franchise tag has been placed on him. He has not signed it yet. Uh, The Jaguars have talked about wanting to get a long-term deal done with Cam Robinson. There's been no movement on that that we're aware of. Uh, But as of right now, he is your starting left tackle. At left guard, you're looking at probably Ben Barch or Walker Little. The Jaguars talked about Walker Little being able to play guard. So Ben Barch started a lot of 2021 at right guard with A.J. Can having injuries. It was his second year after coming out of St. John's. Division Three. had one of the best smoothie routines that you'll ever see. Kind of became a star of the combine with that smoothie that helped him put on, I don't remember what it was, 90 pounds or something like that. But um, Ben Bartor or Walker Little at left guard compared to Andrew Norwell think you're going to lose some consistency in pass protection, but you've got upside there. Tyler Shatley would be the starting center right now. He's played a lot of center for you over the last few years because of Brandon Linder's injuries. So you feel okay about that, but he's 31, I believe. Um, He's on a two-year deal. Is he your long-term answer there? No, but could he get you by in 2022? Probably. Brandon Scherf at right guard. That is a massive upgrade over whether you want to talk about AJ can or or Ben Barch. Brandon Scherf has been a pro bowler in five of seven seasons. In 2020, he was an all pro. This is a guy who is tailor made for the Jaguars' offensive scheme. He played under OL coach Phil Rauscher in Washington for a couple of years. He knows what's going to be expected of him. He's going to be a leader. Sure, he's got injury issues, but you're going to have him probably on the field for at least two-thirds of your games, and he's going to make you a lot better. Hopefully, he can have a a healthy season. You never know with injuries, right? You never know. And then Jawan Taylor and Walker Little, I would expect to compete at right tackle as well. I don't know what the Jaguars are going to do with Walker Little because I mentioned him at left guard. Potential starter there, potential starter at right tackle. I would prioritize playing him at tackle. You drafted him in the second round. You've got Jawan Taylor, who is going into the final year of his rookie deal and has really underperformed for the most part. Cam Robinson, you, you're you not clear on the future. So I would I would want Walker Little to be playing right or left tackle for me. Obviously, if Cam Robinson is under the franchise tag, he's going to play left tackle. But I think you want Walker Little to become a long-term fixture, a starter for you, and playing him at guard just doesn't move the needle for me. When you have questions about right tackle. If Jawan Taylor had come out and and done everything people expected him to do as a former second-round pick, sure. But Walker Little at guard. But Taylor has been disappointing, to say the least. Like I said, adding Scherf is huge. And even though you're losing Linder and Norwell, Shatley is a quality replacement for Linder. And I think if Ben Barch is the starter, you're going to see him play at a pretty high level at left guard. Some of the games he struggled in, you had him going one-on-one against Aaron Donald, against DeForest Buckner, against Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah, anybody's going to struggle in those situations one-on-one. Uh, but I think with an improved offensive line coach, an improved scheme, just a more professional approach, I think you could look at Ben Bartsch as as a potential quality starter. Again, it's potential. You haven't seen him do it consistently yet. But like I said, I have some confidence in his ability. But adding Scherf, that is the biggest piece here. He is a game changer. For a running game, for your pass protection, for your leadership, he's got it all in spades. But I still think retaining Cam Robinson is the most intriguing part. Does he sign his franchise tag, do they get a long-term deal done? Is he worth the money that it costs to keep him on the franchise tag or on a long-term deal? I mean, the Jaguars are going to be forking out over 30 million between 2021 and 2022 to Cam Robinson. Is it smart to bet on him over the next 3 years instead of a guy like Evan Neal if the Jaguars do commit to Robinson long-term? I don't know. We still don't know who the Jaguars are going to pick at number one, but most experts, betting websites, pundits, they do not have Evan Neal going number one overall to the Jaguars. They don't have a tackle going number one overall to the Jaguars. Everybody's got Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker for the most part. The main depth pieces here are Will Richardson And then whoever loses out on these battles, right? If Walker Little and Jawan Taylor are battling it out for the right tackle spot and Walker Little wins, then Jawan Taylor is your swing tackle. Um, If Walker Little and Ben Barch are competing for the left guard spot, then if Walker Little wins that, then Ben Barch is your primary backup. If Walker Little doesn't win either of those battles, if he's not in the starting lineup, I think that's concerning because you'd expect him to be able to beat either of those guys out for a job with his physical profile, with what he showed you towards the end of 2021. But yeah, I think you've got some decent depth here. I I think it's decent depth. It's not great. But you've got to get more talent to make this room more competitive, in my opinion. You're talking about protecting the investment, protecting Trevor Lawrence. I don't think they have the horses to get it done in 16, excuse me, 17 game season. I'm still Evan Neal at 1. Like I said, I think he's the best player in the draft. He has four position versatility on the offensive line and he's going to help Trevor Lawrence, help the investment, help the franchise right now whether you plug him in at left tackle, right tackle, left guard. I think if you had him at left guard in year one with Shatley at center and Scherf at right guard, that could be a pretty dominant interior of your offensive line that you can feel good about. I think at a minimum, if you don't draft Evan Neal with the first overall pick, you got to draft a guard and a center at some point on day two or day three. There's good depth at both spots in this class. And I do like Ben Barch. I just think you should add more talent, add competition, bring someone in to compete with him and make your roster deeper and more talented at the same time. And Shatley, like I said, even if he's a quality starter in 2022, he's 31. So he's probably not a long-term solution for you at center. I think the Jaguars have a decent foundation on their offensive line. Slightly above average, probably. Maybe average. But if you go get an Evan Neal, or if you go get a couple guys on day two or day three, I could be changing my tune pretty quickly. And so the draft is going to be huge for the Jaguars. Are they going to help Trevor Lawrence out up front? Are they going to help him with receivers. We'll see how it all plays out. That's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please like, subscribe, do whatever you got to do wherever you listen or watch. Make sure to check out genjag.com for all the latest Jaguars news and analysis.